and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I just want to say I hope that all of you had a wonderful weekend. I sure did. There were so many fantastic events happening in the Los Angeles area. On Friday night, I went to USC for First Frame 2016, which is the Student Animation Film Showcase, and Oh my gosh, it was so wonderful and amazing. If you had told me that professionals were the ones who had made those shorts, I would have believed you. It did not look like student work at all. You can tell that the students worked extremely hard and multiple people worked on everybody's shorts. It was so great. They had a wide variety of genres as well as a wide variety of styles. I saw 2D animation, 3D animation, stop motion. There was one animated short that was a hybrid between live action, 2D, and stop motion. There was even a rock opera. A woman wrote an opera and animated it. It was amazing. Just the entire night was amazing. All of those students are going to get hired by the end of the year. I just know it. So kudos to everyone at USC. You guys were great. And at the end of the night, they gave all of us a DVD copy of all of the shorts, so I'll be able to watch all the shorts again. They were great. So thanks again to everybody over there, and if you missed out, check it out next year. They hold it every year. Also, had an opportunity to go down to Burbank for the CTN road trip, and that was a lot of fun. I'd never been in town before for the CTN road trip, so it was quite a treat. It was actually an art festival that combined both CTN and other local artists, so I had a chance to see crafts, paintings as well as visual development and storyboards and animation work. Got a chance to hang out and talk to people that I knew as well as meet artists that I had never met before and all of the work was really really good. So congrats to everybody who participated and if you didn't get a chance to participate make sure to sign up for next year. Make sure to go and get your table. I have to tell you though, the highlight of the entire weekend was on Saturday when I went to Nickelodeon's Happy Happy Joy Joy Art and Artifacts from 25 Years of Creator-Driven Cartoons. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Nicktoons. Nicktoons debuted on Sunday, August 11th, 1991 with Doug, Rugrats, and The Ren and Stimpy Show. And to culminate the fact that this is their anniversary year, they have put together this amazing exhibition and they put together a really great panel. The exhibition features 150 pieces of production art from many, many of the shows. We're talking Avatar, The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, Rugrats, Rin and Stimpy, and Doug, of course, as well as The Fairly Odd Parents. Harvey Beaks, Dora the Explorer, Shimmer and Shine, Hey Arnold, The Angry Beavers, Invader Zim, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's almost all there. Practically every show they have ever worked on has either a maquette, an animation cell, a background design, a storyboard. There are pitch bibles. There are clothes. There are video interviews with the creators. They even had videos of some of their upcoming shows that are going to be debuting this year and next year. It is an extremely well put together exhibit and it will be on display until May 22nd. So if you have the opportunity, go down to Fullerton 
and check it out. It's really cool. And along with the exhibition, they had a reception with really great food, they had live music, and they had an all-star panel. They had the former VP of animation, Vanessa Coffey, who is responsible for creating Nicktoons. She's the reason that there even is animation on Nickelodeon. She was great. And they had two members of the original Nicktoons team. They had Jim Jenkins, the creator of Doug, Arlene Klasky, the co-creator of Rugrats, and part of the dynamic duo of Klasky Chupo, which created five other shows later on for Nicktoons, and they were also responsible for the Wild Thornberries movies, as well as all of the Rugrats movies, along with Steven Hillenburg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, which has also led to two feature films with a third feature film on the way, and Butch Hartman, the creator of Tough Puppy, The Fairly Odd Parents, and Danny Phantom, was the moderator. It was such a great panel. It was really interesting, really entertaining. They talked about not only the history of how Nicktoons got started, but how they got into the animation industry, how they became creators, you know, what it's like working on a television show. It was very inspiring. And afterwards, they signed limited edition posters, and I got a poster signed, and I got to meet many of the wonderful and talented show creators, actors, and executives at Nickelodeon, including... Greg Sipes, who's the voice of Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as well as Chris Viscardi, who's the VP who is in charge of helping to put the entire exhibition together. And I got to meet the creator of Shimmer and Shine, Farnaz Esnashari Sharmats, and I got to meet Vanessa Coffey herself, Butch Hartman, and Jim Jenkins. And everyone that I spoke to was very wonderful and very nice and very amazing and it was a real treat to get to talk to everybody and so i just want to thank nickelodeon for putting together such a wonderful event and i want to thank animation magazine because i was there on their behalf i wrote an article for animation magazine online and i'll put a link to that article in the show notes as well as the facebook and twitter pages so you guys can check that out so thank you to animation magazine and nickelodeon and also, I want to give a massive shout out to Fullerton's Animation, Visual Development, and Illustration Club, the Pencil Mileage Club. You guys were a mighty army of volunteers. They were the ones wearing the orange Nickelodeon shirts, showing people where to go, making sure they didn't get lost when they came out of the parking lot, making sure they knew where everything was, keeping all of the lines organized, making sure that the exhibition hall didn't get overcrowded. They made sure that everyone who wanted a poster got a poster. You guys were awesome. So if you're a student at Fullerton, you should definitely check out their club. And I will include a link on the Facebook and Twitter page so that you can check out their club and see what it's all about. And I had an opportunity to go and check out their website. They've had a lot of really cool people come and speak at their events, including Elsa Chang and Rad Seacrest. So you guys should check that out if you're students. So that was the weekend. It was really great meeting everybody. I know that everyone that attended all those events had a really good time. And I am very excited now to be presenting part two of my interview with Margie Bordner. This is a really great part two in a three-part series. I know you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, on with the show. 
Were you ever nervous when you were creating your comic and having it have Christian themes of people not understanding it or not knowing where you're coming from? Or conversely, were you ever concerned that of how you were going to present it and just wanting to make sure that they understood where you were coming from? Yes. And I still worry about that. Um, partly I worry about it from a perspective of I'm a total newbie to telling stories. So I already I have the regular storyteller's fear of being too vague or maybe over explaining something, getting too preachy. Like I think most storytellers that I've talked to or people that, you know, are starting out in this journey, we all worry about that. It's like, was this page clear? Was it too clear? Like, did I have a wall of text that you just didn't feel like reading? You know, like, is there enough going on? Does this drawing convey that he's upset and not just that, you know, or whatever? Um, so I always fear that it'll get misunderstood, especially because as a Christian, I try to sort of um, work the Christian message in a non-obvious way. And part of that is influenced by uh, people like C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, and he wrote these stories that were are very deeply Christian, and they're about Christianity, and they're about Jesus as Lord, you know, but they never say that. And they, they never say, go read your Bible and go to church and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they never do that. They just say, here's a story about four kids and how they met Aslan and what, what he even is. And, you know, the explaining that concept sort of opened up like this new way to see God. It's like, God is also like this. Um, and it's really fascinating to me when writers can do that really successfully. And so I sort of try to do that in my own work, or at least I'm trying. Uh, my only real experience so far is this Lion King comic. <laughs> I have some other projects um, in the works that, I, that I'm sort of still developing the stories for. I think they're taking a little longer because I'm, I'm sort of taking them more seriously because I'm like, okay, this isn't my fan comic anymore. This is the real deal. But, um, but yeah, I always worry that... Uh, I don't want the Christian message to be too vague. I don't want it to be like, oh, I had no idea this was about Christianity. But at the same time, I don't want to beat people over the head with it. Because I, I have a big beef with um, a lot of Christian movies, because that's sort of what they do. And they sort of give you a very 2D picture of reality. And then they say, Jesus is great because, you know, he saved these people. But then the story isn't that compelling. Or it's kind of like, this doesn't feel like real life. This is just, you know, they like the audience ends up or can end up feeling manipulated. And so I want my stories to feel very real. I feel I want it to feel like the characters have to make these really hard choices or that they don't always feel happy about the choices they make or, you know, the, these real things like real life is like that. You don't always have your problems just solved for you because you prayed, you know, and sometimes you pray and nothing happens and you don't ever find out why you don't know if it's because you didn't need to have it or if you were supposed to have it later or, you know, for some people, the question becomes, well, is God even there? Maybe he's not. Maybe I've made it up this whole time. And I feel like that's very real. And that's very much real life and how it works. It's not like the sort of precious moments, hallmark moments that you get in a lot of Christian movies. That makes a lot of sense. And I like that that's the track that you take, because I know for me, it's the same issue. I remember growing up thinking, I do want to tell Christian stories but I really don't want them to be lame because I remember yeah. as a child, I saw a lot of lame stuff. Yes. And you the, know, the, I on think the that's one the... hand, you appreciate that it's there because you know yeah. that the people that worked on it, they did believe it. They did work yeah. hard, you know? So on the one hand, I don't want to be too harsh because it's right. someone's work, you know, yeah, it's someone's yeah. work. And now, you know, being an artist and seeing 
how much goes into just making anything, whether yeah. it's successful or not. Even the worst thing got, you know, it got made. It right, actually became exactly. a movie or became a book. Yeah. So I don't want to be. And I mean, the people making it are very passionate. And, Absolutely. You know, and you yeah, know, they're, they're not like really hard. Taxes. So on the one not hand, you don't want to be like, ah, but on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but I want to make something that is actually going to reach people that they're going to want to watch. And I don't want it to be like that scene from saved with mandy moore where she's telling her you know i am filled with christ's love and then like oh, yeah. beans are in the back of the head <laughs> exactly. she throws a bible at the back of her head i'm like oh yeah not, not exactly that. don't exactly. want to be that exactly I, I was just gonna say i just did this whole speech about explaining all this and then you summed it up in one sentence you're like i want to tell christian stories but i don't want them to be lame and i think that sums it up <laughs> that's like yeah that's pretty much the whole thing right there <laughs> Um, we don't want it to be lame. No, and I don't. I wouldn't want any story to be lame. And I think that's oh, the yeah. thing. Like, I remember my mentor telling me, like, even the worst movie, no one ever goes in to a movie when they're creating it thinking, "I'm about to make something terrible." Like, yeah. even the worst movie, no one's thinking that. Everyone is trying, even if it's you know, Robot Rampage Eight or you know, right. Sharknado <laughs> or, or what yeah. have you, like. Everyone's well, I don't know. To... I feel like the well, asylum. Well, did, they did it on my... purpose. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're doing that true. on purpose and they know it and you can tell they had fun with it. Right. But, yeah. you know, most people, they're actually trying to make something at least nominally interesting. Right. You know, whether they succeed or fail sometimes is completely out of their control. Right. Or they're like misguided about what a good movie is, maybe. Yeah. Um, or they you think, know, well, this is things. great. And then the whole world goes, no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> or like I've, I started like listening to a lot of like film podcasts and reading film history books. And a lot of stuff is like the executives quit or the executives died or the yeah. actors got a new movie or there oh, was wow. a snowstorm or the set burnt down or just weird things that happens like you can't control for some of that yeah that's true yeah there's all kinds of like craziness that can happen and this is i don't really know how to make a segue out of this so i'm just going to switch topics now <laughs> go for I'm, like, it <laughs> speaking of weird segues so we you and i have had many conversations about art school is yes. it necessary did we learn anything what did we learn how did it go yeah. And hearing your story, a lot of the things that you learned, you actually learned on the job. Like you oh, knew Flash enough to do your film with your friends and to get that first Squidbillies job, but you really learned it on Squidbillies and Word Girl. You learned about story from your own research and going yeah. online in conventions. And so I just wanted to hear your opinion about school and any advice that you have for students. Oh, boy. Well... I'm sort of growing and changing on this all the time because I, I used to just flat out be like, don't go to art school. And I think the, um, I forget his name, but there was that uh, concept artist who who wrote a post about it. And he actually had a, I think prob probably like the best, uh, the best sort of alternate that I've seen. Cause a lot of people say, don't do it. It's a waste of time. Uh, Noah Bradley. Um, he did a he did a blog post saying don't go to art school and he explained like you can spend way less money if you just do this 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 and he just was like sign up for these online courses travel abroad to Europe one year I mean it was just all this stuff that he was like this is still cheaper than going to college and uh, I'd have to agree uh, my big thing with art school I only went two years and it I've been in the industry 
think 11 years now, and I'm still paying off my loans. So to me, that's like, that says a lot. <laughs> For me, um, I feel like I didn't learn that much because I'm, I'm learning a lot of this stuff again on the job. I'm actually just now, I'm starting to sort of teach myself animation again from the ground up, like learning about timing and like how to, you know, like how different types of timing can make the same frames look different, you know, all that stuff. And it's all basic, basic stuff, but they never really taught it to me at my school. Um, now every school is different, but I feel a little bit gypped because I paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to go to this art school and it got me my job because I did get the job through that portfolio class I took. And I got my other job on someone that I knew that I met in college. So based on contact, it's like very valuable. And the experience was good, you know, moving out of my parents' house and going off on my own and doing, you know, doing something cool in a new city. But the fact that I'm still paying for it 11 years later to me is kind of monstrous. And I feel like I only took maybe a handful of classes that were actually valuable. And then the rest were kind of, I hate to say this, but some of them were half-assed or just not very, they didn't hire very good professors to teach them or whatever. You know, I just didn't, I don't feel like I got my money's worth necessarily. And I had to sort of do my own supplemental stuff and teach myself after college. And part of that was my own fault. I could have researched colleges a little better, maybe tried to go to a better one. Um, but, you know, I was young and I was introverted and I still am, but I was way worse then. <laughs> and so I kind of went with the easiest option. But it still feels like horrible to me that I paid all this money and didn't get that much out of it as far as like what they were supposed to give me. So I get really passionate about this because I see people who are basically broke or about to become broke the way I see it or, you know, are like, well, I have to go to art school because otherwise I won't get an art job. And I'm sitting at the other end going, nobody has ever asked to see my degree not at any of my jobs ever. No one's been like, well, where did you go to school? Oh, you went for two years? Okay, that's very important. I actually sent my degree to my mom because it meant a lot to her that her, that her daughter graduated college. <laughs> but I was like, you here, I don't even really care about this. You can have it, you can frame it, put it up if you want to show it to people. But I, it would just sit in a drawer. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything with it. I'm definitely not going to display it because I don't really care. I care about the education I got or that I learned animation. I learned what it was, but I don't really care about the piece of paper saying that I graduated. Like that's less important to me. And every job I've gotten has been based on my skills or again, luck being in the right place at the right time. And I had some skills and I got in and I actually, I've worked at studios with people who didn't go to art school. I worked with a girl who was in high school still actually when I was in Atlanta and she was going to go into art school. And I just wanted to be like, why <laughs> you're already in just work it. Like people, like I've, I'm now on the other end at Mino Monsters where I sort of have a little bit of input with the hiring decisions, especially well, if it's animators, I definitely do. And then even with the artists that we look at, uh, we're a very small team. So we'll all come together and be like, what do we think of this art? And, you know, and we're always just going on websites. Like my boss found our lead artist on DeviantArt and he didn't ask her if she went to college. Like maybe it came up in the interview, but I feel like it would have been just like a passing thing. Like, oh, you went to college? Cool. Where? Okay. That's cool. Whatever. You know, like that's the most it's ever come up for me as an animator. You know, it's never been like, where did you go to school? What did you study? You know, what, what is your degree in? You know, like nobody cares about that. They care if you can draw and if you can animate because that's what they need. It's like if you go work in a pizza kitchen and they're like, have you made pizza before? That's all they care about. They're not going like, did you go to a culinary school? It's like, oh, you worked five years in this big pizza kitchen in New York? Yeah, you're hired. You know, we can tell you can do the job. And I feel like it's the same for animation. Uh, and animation is very much a trade, I feel, and it's being treated as like a high art. Uh, that's not to say that it can't be a high art form. I think lots of people um, 
take it and, you know, elevate it to a high art form, just like they do with anything with painting or, you know, knitting or just whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're just in it to learn like how movies are made or how to work at a studio, you're learning a trade. It's like learning to repair a car. You have to learn the ins and outs. You know, you, you can be a really talented artist artistically. And then you, you just learn the, the techniques about animation and then you can take it and run with it. But, you know, the, the techniques themselves are just part of a trade. It's like learning how to sew or build machinery or anything. So I get really upset that we're paying what lawyers and doctors are paying to be educated, to learn a trade that, you know, shouldn't cost like even a quarter of that probably. My issue with it is cost. Yes. I'm glad I went to school because for me, I realized that I, I feel, I remember um, it was either Tom or Tony Bancroft were talking mm. on their website, how with art school, what you're paying for is time. And I yeah. remember feeling like I just needed that dedicated time to be able to sit down. And in hindsight, yeah, I've often wondered if I would, you know, knowing what I know now, if I would have gone to school. And I think I still would have because I had some really good teachers and yeah. every, almost everyone that I know, you know, who's a really good friend now or, you know, I met later on is a direct result from school or just yeah. being in the Bay Area. And because I was in the Bay Area, I then you know, went to church in the Bay Area, which is where I met you, or then yeah. went to this other club, which is where I met, you know, other people. Yeah. My main issue with school is the sheer cost. Yeah. Like it should not, and just college in general just is astronomically high. It's ridiculous. And even if you get, you know, I know people that were able to get scholarships and grants, and that's wonderful, but it's still really high. And I think that yeah. for anybody who's thinking about it, I mean, keep college as an option to be sure, because there are yeah. some really good schools and a lot of people are coming out of those schools. But a lot of times though, a lot of times people were good before they went into school. Yeah. And, you know, That's sometimes they're yeah. already good. Sometimes they weren't, but they learned skills, but you can all, you know, if you don't end up going to like a brick and mortar school, you're right. There are so many online classes and even if you don't want to take an online class there are a lot of places like um you know if you're in san francisco there's the animation collaborative if you're yeah. here in los angeles there's the um, the concept design academy i believe it's called out in pasadena yeah. like oh, there's wow. there's places you can go to and you're going to spend between 500 and two grand as yeah. opposed to two to three thousand dollars a semester and you'll learn yeah. exactly what you want to learn without having to take other classes where you're like but I don't really need to learn this I need yeah. to learn this over here well and that's the, that was some of the case at SCAD too as I was paying for classes like you know a grand or two grand I could have used that money and gone and like you know not at the time because I didn't know about it and I don't even know if it existed but now if I were to take a grand or two grand I could go throw it at freaking actual Pixar animators to teach me versus just somebody that, you know, sort of has animated, but I wanted to be a character animator. And the teacher was a commercial animator who did like conceptual stuff. And I'm like, that's not the right person to be teaching me this stuff right now, you know, but it's the only person that was available, you know, so it was just like, or I could spend that exact same amount of money and get a Pixar animator who has been in the trenches working in the kind of stuff that I want to do, you know, and I'm like, 
that seems like a better use of my money, <laughs> you know? I mean, of course, I'd have to go to 3D, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think the the contacts thing that you mentioned is so invaluable that it's almost, it's the only part of my argument that I feel is really weak. When I say that I paid too much for this, I met so many people and got so many like contacts from that and that I've, you know, panned out or even if I like, I've either found people work or they found me work or I connected people with each other or I learned from them or, you know, whatever I've done freelance because of people that I knew from college, you know, that it's really hard to be like, cause you can't really put a price on that. You can't really put an amount of money on that. So it's kind of like saying, well, how much are your friends worth? You know, <laughs> cause I, I've made really good friendships too. So that's the only hesitation I have about like, don't go to school. It's a complete waste of time. It's like, no, not really, <laughs> but yeah. it's just so expensive. That's mine too. And I don't think that's necessarily a weakness in your argument, but, but that's my thing too. Cause I think, you know, there've been times where I thought, wow, I liked school. Not all the time. There were definitely times when I was in school thinking, why am I here? Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> this costs way too much. Or especially I had a couple of classes that were particularly bad and I remember thinking, uh, wow, no, what am, I, what, what am I doing? No, no. And I, I, I couldn't stand like who I was around. It was not not OK. But yeah. then I think about I still talk to my teachers, you know, I'm a year and a half yeah. out. I mean, that's not that far out, but I still talk to my teachers. I still email them. I had a teacher on the podcast like a couple of weeks ago, oh, you wow, know, nice. like I talk to my teachers. They've been wonderful. I talk to all of my friends. They're great. One of my friends is the reason why I've been getting, you know, story tests because of contacts that he knows. And so I think I would say if you end up not going to art school and you don't have to go to art school to become a professional artist, but you do need some type of training. Yeah. If you're not, And I believe that there's only so much that you can teach purely, I mean, 100% on your own. Yes, you need to practice. Yeah. But at a certain point, it's good to have someone else that's in the industry or that's at least better than you look at your own work. And that's the good thing about school is hopefully you're around people that are a lot better than you who can give you concrete reasons for why you need to do what you need to do. And, yeah, exactly. And I liked what you said too about, you know, making sure that you have the right type of teacher for what you want to learn. And that's yes. something that I get the impression. I mean, this is going to sound like, well, of course, you know, this isn't rocket <laughs> science, but make sure your school actually has professionals that are currently working in the field. Yes. If you can avoid oh, that's it. Huge. I mean, sometimes you have to take a certain class and you have to take that class to graduate. And there's only one teacher to teach that class. Yeah. And that situation, yeah. I wish you well. There's not a whole lot yeah, you can yeah. do about that. But take classes with people that are still working. Yeah. And who oh, like working. That's... You don't want to take a class with someone who's bitter, you know, or who's like behooving how, you know, the industry has changed and it's left me behind. It's like, no, yeah. don't, don't get that person. Like what you were saying, get someone who worked at Pixar. Get someone who's working, you know, if you want to do mobile games, someone who's working in mobile games, someone who's working on TV, somebody that's still with it and and current because they can tell you what you want to learn. Because I think of, a, you know, we have a mutual friend who, you know, her school was getting rid of Flash saying nobody uses Flash. And she told them, I know professionals who use Flash on a daily basis. What are you talking about? 
you know, you don't want that. I've been that doing Flash for 11 years now. You, know? you, you want to make sure they're current and that they know what they're yeah. talking about. Yeah, no. Oh, I got so mad about that. I, I got like, mad about that too when she told me. Yeah. I'm like, that. I'm just like, you need to quit that place. You need to go Well, somewhere. and she signed up to the school and she specifically asked them if they taught Flash because she said, I want to learn Flash because all of my friends work in Flash in the industry and I, I need to at least know that. And they went, oh yeah, we teach Flash here. She signed up and like the very next quarter or two quarters later when she finally got around to where, okay, I can take my Flash class now, they had discontinued it for that reason. And she was so angry. She was like, this was like half the reason I went to college was to learn Flash, you know? And she was saying that she, this is another thing too. It's like some people just need that structure. Like not everybody can learn on their own. If you can, that's great. But like some people need, I need to go to class and get a grade or I won't do the work and I need to learn discipline or, you know, that's actually a valid reason to go to college too. But she was kind of like that, you know, she's like, I need the discipline. I need to be able to go and, you know, have assignments and have a structured environment to learn in. And then they got rid of Flash and it was like, <laughs> well, nobody uses it. We keep hearing that nobody uses it. It's like, who's telling you this? You know, like, I know all these studios that still use it, you know, like we were just talking about a show that, you know, is, is a new show coming out. Like they're using Flash, they're animating in Flash in this country. Um, a lot of television shows use Flash still. And then, you know, a lot of mobile games too. And you bring up a good point too of what they're telling you in school. And even if you go to school, I know people, and I felt this way when I first got out of school, it was this feeling of now that I'm out of school, I now am equipped and know everything I need to know. Yeah. That is <laughs> no. not true at all. You know, you, you do not know everything that you need to know. You will never know everything that there is to know about art. That is just how art works. You know, yeah. there's always going to be something else. And so it's good to just always take a class, take yeah. a life drawing class read books. I remember going to CTN and hearing a lecture from, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but it was the director of B-Movie and he works at DreamWorks. Mm. And he was talking about how he would read The Hollywood Reporter and Variety just to know who all the executives were. And he would oh. go to the movies every single weekend and wow. see every single movie. And he would just find out everything he could about the industry because he just wanted to make sure he knew what was going on. And I think that's important just to know, know your industry, know who the players are, yeah. keep practicing classes, keep reading books, keep going to conventions. It's not a thing of, oh, I've now arrived now that I'm out of school. No, even, you know, the people that we admire the most will be the first to tell you they haven't arrived. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, things are always changing some of the base, like, I mean, I think about like animation and I'm like, well, the basics are the same because I'm still going back and learning the basics and it's still helping me now. But like trends change, like, you know, styles change, what programs are out there change. Like you're always having to sort of keep up with it. And I actually don't actively keep up with it in the sense that I go and I read all these magazines, like you were saying this guy does, but I, I'm online. And so I, like you were saying, I'm on all these websites and so, and I know other animators so we are always talking about different things. So I feel like I sort of get some of my animation news that way or I'll see it on Tumblr or something, you know, there, there's actually a lot of like really good Tumblrs that are like behind the scenes. Like there's a place, there's one that does like all like animated movie concept art, you know, there's all kinds of websites that report on animation news and stuff. So it's just like that information's out there. And like, if you're in the industry and you have animation friends, or even if you're not in the industry, if you have animation friends, you're going to hear about this stuff, you know, like whether you're in college or you're just on online and you follow animators, you know, or whatever. Absolutely. And yeah. I just remember the name, Steve Hickner. Oh, okay. He's also written very good books. Oh. On, he wrote one on um, 
I'm going to write and that made down. Career <laughs> where he just laid out, here's how to be successful in your career. Oh, here's wow. how I did it. Here's how you can do it. I read that book in a day. It was great. Cool. Animating your career. I just, mm-hmm. I just found it. <laughs> wow. Cool. I'll have to check it out. And that's the thing. There's all these resources and now we have the internet. Cause I remember talking yeah. with one of my friends earlier and saying how, you know, both of us were old enough where we remembered before the internet. Yeah. Which is, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know for a lot of people they are like before the internet, Whoa, how old are these people? But you know, anything you wanted yeah. to know, it was the library. And if your yeah. library either had books on the subject or they didn't. And you either knew yeah. someone who worked in the industry or you didn't. And it was kind of yeah. like this, you know, there was only Now it's one. so easy to find people. Yeah. And to me, like growing up, I remember like, well, there's Disney and there's Warner Brothers. And that's so it. That's <laughs> it. And there are these yeah. like two or three books. And okay, that's what is out there. And then the internet happens and you find all these other books and then DeviantArt shows up and Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook show up and you go, Well, even just as an artist, like all these resources, like I remember as a kid wanting to learn how to draw better and I would like copy stuff, you know, I'd I'd look at stuff and copy it. I I would go to the library and get all these like how to draw books, you know, and so I would do those. But then I would also like watch a movie and I would pause it right at a, the frame that I wanted. And I would draw the character, you know, in my sketchbook of whatever, whoever I was trying to draw, usually Lion King. Uh, I was drawing like, you know, Simba, Mufasa and all them. And um, I remember my parents for what they had to replace the VCR at one point because uh, it finally ran out. But my mom specifically got one that would have a clearer picture. Cause I don't know if you remember, but the VCRs it used to be when you pause them, they'd have bars across the Absolutely, screen. Absolutely, I remember that. I would still draw with those bars in the way. Cause I was just gonna, that was my only choice. But my mom was like, surprise, you know, we got a new VCR and guess what? It pauses with a clear picture. And I was just so elated. I was like, oh man, now I can see everything. So I was so excited, but that was like pre-internet. That's what you did. You either had a book that had the pictures in it or you watched a movie and you paused it and you had to pause it at the right time, you know? And and it was tricky. So like now you can, I mean, I need, there's a, there's a blog called like living lines and it's oh, literally all that blog. Yeah. It's so like animation great. frames, model sheets, like everything for like even obscure movies. And I'm just like, man, this is like incredible. You know, we didn't used to have this kind of stuff. Now, if I want to learn like what, what does a model sheet look like? Or what do animation frames look like? What does it look like when somebody cleans up Glenn Keane's work? You know, it's like, I can see that it's all online, you know, and it's crazy. I love how you said about the VCR because I used to do that exact same thing. I remember that's how I learned how to draw Tiny Tunes because oh, I recorded yeah, every yeah. episode of Tiny Tunes and I would put it on pause because I liked different movements that they were doing. And so I would yeah. pause that and then I would draw everything in sequence. To figure oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's I like so what you cool. said about living lines too, because I remember the first time I was fortunate because my mom's best friend, her friend was married to an animation or was married. It's still married to an animation director. And oh, I, wow. talked to, I remember getting to talk to him over the phone and he mailed me a box of all of these model sheets because he worked at Warner Brothers at the time. And it was oh, the first time man. that I had ever seen turnarounds, backgrounds, model sheets, like any of this stuff. Oh, and so die. it was like the holy <laughs> grail of animation. I remember looking at this going... And it, it was a big, it was like costing like $20 to mail this box. It was huge. Wow. And I remember looking back in the nineties. Yeah. I remember <laughs> looking at this just going like, I am so fortunate. I am never throwing this out. I'm going to keep right? this. For the, and I still have it. I'm like, I'm going to keep this oh, for the rest awesome. of my life because this is like gold. I remember looking at it going, okay, 
this is the level. Yeah. This is <laughs> this what is you got to be, be doing. You yeah. know, you can find all that on the internet, but before you, you just couldn't, you couldn't find yeah. any of this stuff. And you, and you're also getting like, there's just more out there. Cause like you have a ton of people who are, who went through art school and are now trying to make their own movies or have their own, you know, so you're seeing all this professional work, but you're also seeing tons of stuff from people who just made their own like student films or whatever. And even that's like inspiring. Cause you, you get like, here's my model sheet for my character and here's, you know, the, the concepts for the backgrounds and here, you know, here's the test animation we did and all that. And just seeing that like other people are doing it. It's not just a studio thing. It doesn't have like an official stamp on it. It's just, some person who decided to do it like that's so inspiring you're like oh i could do this too you know this is another student you know they did it and i could do it and that's the great thing we live in an age now where there are almost no i mean i shouldn't quite say it like that. i mean there are barriers to entry it is right. difficult to get a job especially yeah. your first job i mean that's something that i'm still working on too like by the time this episode is released maybe i would have had that first job by now hopefully hopefully i can yeah. end this and at the end say and now i have that first job i'm still working on awesome. it but the great <laughs> thing is we have access to technology and tools that oh 20 gosh, years yes. ago didn't exist i mean yeah. you can now make an animated film from your house yeah and you it would look, it, it's equipment. going to look better than some of the stuff that came out when we were children because yeah. the technology has gotten to be so great. And for a lot of this, all you need is a computer and an internet connection because a lot of these programs, they have 30-day free, you know, you can do Toon Boom 30-day free trials and yeah. Adobe 30-day free trials. There's actually a, there's a free, uh, I want to say, I think it's an art program, but they also added like an animation timeline to it, I think. I want to say it's called Krita, K-R-I-T-A. I will look that up. Uh, yeah, but it's like a, it's basically an equivalent to Photoshop. It's kind of like a digital painting program and it's free. It's like open source. I was trying to use it, but I think um, I'm on a Mac and I think it's only the PC version that has the animation feature because they just added it or something. I don't remember what the problem was, but just the fact that somebody's out there and they're doing this, so like money is actually becoming less of a barrier now too, because, you know, uh, not only with stuff where it's free, like GIMP or this or, you know, uh, Krita or whatever, but um, you're also, you're starting to see subscription programs because like before, like I never would have owned Photoshop because I didn't use it that much. Like I bought a copy of Flash because I use that for my freelance all the time. But with Photoshop, it was like a luxury. It was like, well, I like to draw in it, but I don't make money with this. So how am I going to justify paying, you know, I don't even know how much it costs, $600, $1,000, something like that, right? Just multiple hundreds of dollars that I can't afford that they started a subscription thing where it's like $10 a month. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then I can like stop it if I don't need it one month or I can pick it back up, you know, and it's like much more reasonable for me. And I think like Adobe's doing that with their whole suite. Like you can basically pay a certain amount a month and you get access to all their programs. And then when there's an update, you're not buying or updating your program. You're just downloading the latest version and you're just paying the same amount. So it's, it's pretty cool. Like there are even money's becoming less of an object than it used to be, or a, what do you call it? Less of a barrier than it used to be. And you still need a little bit of money, but not nearly as much. I mean, yeah, this you don't need of, thousands of dollars. This type of stuff <laughs> used to cost thousands upon thousands of thousands. Yeah. You can and when get... you've already spent thousands of dollars on your equipment, having to spend thousands of dollars on the programs is just like, oh, God. You and know, not, like, now yeah. you, can get, you can get a laptop for 300 bucks. You can get a yeah. bamboo tablet for 100 you can subscribe yeah. to Photoshop or get Manga Studio for yeah. 50 or get a free trial for a month for free. 
You can go yeah, to the library or go online, look up how to animate, watch a bunch of movies and figure it out. Like it's, it's actually yeah. possible now to just sit down and figure it out. And you can do the There's same with like... you know, comics and everything and just make your own thing and yeah. put it online and then keep making your own thing and then volunteer at conventions. And then eventually something will happen if you just keep making stuff. Yeah. I mean, I see stuff on Tumblr or DeviantArt all the, all the time and I'm like, man, these people are really good. And, you know, I will bring it up at work like, hey, should we hire this person? Check out their stuff. They're really good. Again, never once do we go, wait, where did they go to college? Like, we're just going, look at their work. They're really good. You know, if we start to seriously consider them, we might start to look into like, have they worked anywhere else? Do they have professional experience? Just because you don't want to hire somebody that, that can't work with anyone. And if you have somebody who's really talented, but they never worked anywhere or they got kept getting fired, then that's like a warning sign. Right. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, but the first thing is their work, you see their work and go, these, this guy's really good. Let's bring them in at least for a trial run and see how they do, you know, or whatever. And just the fact that you can put yourself out there more easily too, with, you know, with the internet and everything, you can put your website out there. You can go online. I see all these tutorials now for animation specifically, like how to animate and how to figure out timing and what you need to do and what you need to focus on. Here are some examples, you know, I mean, you could learn all this stuff on your own. If you were the kind of person who's self-motivated, you know, who can, who can like sit down and have the patience to teach themselves all this, the information is absolutely out there. Like all of it is. It's not like, well, you can get started and then maybe, you know, it's like, no, it's all out there. You could make an entire movie with the information you find on the internet. <laughs> absolutely. And if you need the yeah. structure, take a class. Right. You know, exactly. No harm in school. Just know that there are options beyond school. If school is not your thing, or if you don't want to right. pay that much for school, or, you know, I know people that they went to school for a little while and then stopped because it was very expensive. So they went for a yeah, year or two. You don't even have to go that. You don't need the degree. Yeah, so. They went for a year or two, learned what they needed to learn, and then did their own thing for a while and then got hired like that. Yeah, that happens all the time. I even saw, I was talking to a friend of mine who was doing a test for a company and it said at the, it, the requirements were listed and it said at the end, you also need to have a college degree. And I remember her telling me, cause she was inside the company. So she was like, oh, they just put that because, um, you know, they, they said that that's flexible or that's negotiable, but they just like to put that for whatever reason. But she was saying that, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have a diploma, it's not going to keep you from getting the job if they really want you. And so I was surprised they even put it on there. Cause like, you know, I don't, you just, like some maybe they put that for professional reasons i don't know but like i've never ever heard of somebody who was good enough but then they didn't have a diploma so they didn't get in it's like that has never happened as far as i've ever heard in my entire 11 year career in animation I've, as limited as it is <laughs> i've seen i've seen that on some job postings and not on others yeah but i know people that work at some of those companies where they say you have to have a degree and they don't have a degree. So right. but they're really, it's like, but they're, don't, but what just, they have, just apply anyway. Maybe yeah. they had to put it. Maybe HR was like, no, you have to put this. I don't know. But apply anyway, because like usually it doesn't matter. Well, what they have is they have two things. And you mentioned this before. They have excellent artistic ability and they're good people to work with. And yes. that's something you can learn too. Because I think that yeah. I remember um, I've talked to other people about this. You don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be an introvert, but what you yeah. do have to be is willing to take direction and yes. willing to work with other people. And you can yeah. learn to work with other people. You know, if you decide to get Absolutely, together yeah. with your friends and work on a personal project, you can learn how to work with, you can create a team and learn how to work on that team. If you think yeah, you have exactly. bad public speaking skills, 
you know, you can join with something like Toastmasters or take like yeah. an improv class or read, you know, you can read books on public speaking and just that that's yeah. something that I feel like a lot of people think, oh, you're either good at talking with people or you're not. And that's not true. You can learn to get better at that. You don't have to yeah. be Tony Robbins. You just have to be able to communicate fairly well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some of it is like, well, you may not never be great at it, but you just have to be good enough that you can go into a studio, speak to people in the human language, mm -hmm. you know, and like, you know, and, and, and not be a jerk. And, you know, that's usually enough. You know, you don't, you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be the life of the party, you know, as long as you, your work is good and you're a decent person, you know, at, while you're at work and you're in a professional capacity, then, you know, do whatever you want when you get home, but yeah, you can go <laughs> home and not speak to anybody. Or speak yeah, to yeah, exactly. Whatever your choice is. Actually, I found animation is, at least for me, has been ideal for being a little introverted because I can sort of like just get to work and work. And we have meetings and stuff, but those don't happen very often. So it's like maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. And the rest of the time, we're just chatting like friends. You know, we're like, hey, did you see this dumb video? You know, whatever. We'll send each other a video. Or, hey, did you did you hear that like they're closing the street down? And, you know, we'll just talk about like everyday things. But there'll be long stretches, long hours where everybody's just focused on their own work. And so, you know, you're just kind of like, it's like if you're introverted, that's the perfect amount of social interaction, at least for me. It's like, okay, I can just talk to these people a little bit throughout the day and then I go home and I'm done. <laughs> so it's not even like you need to be really good at, at like, I don't know, talking, which I'm not really good at right now. <laughs> I've found that all the professional story artists I've met, they're all half and half. Like some are mm. introverts. And some are extroverts. Yeah, but the key, it's a, it's though, a very is, but we're all able to communicate with each other. Like yes, every story exactly. person I've ever met, 99% of the time, I have only met a yeah. handful where I thought, I'm not so sure about you. But everyone yeah. else that I've <laughs> met in story, whether they're the most introverted person I've met or the most extroverted, we're all comfortable talking to one another. Which is, yeah. that's all we have to do. We have to t be able to talk to one another and we have to be able to talk to the director. And that's yeah. about it. Because we're the only, we're pitching to each other. We're not really pitching to anybody else. And I feel like as long right, as you exactly. talk to the people you need to talk to, you'll be okay. And then you can branch out from there if you wish, but you just need to be able to communicate clearly with your team and your boss. Right, that's, exactly. That's for any job. That's not just art. That's just life in general. Yeah. I mean, if you work at Pizza Hut, you have to be able to take orders and talk to your boss when he tells you to do something. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, that's like, this is just like a, a much nicer version of that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Or like being in school and having to talk to people in your class or to your teacher about your, you know, assignments or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I found it, even for me, I mean, animation people are some of the easiest people that I've ever spoken to. Yeah, we tend to be like very geeky. And so we geek out about the same things. And we tend to blossom when we're talking about like movies or comics or, you know, things like that. And we sort of all understand sort of the general, like tableau of people that we're going to be around and we appreciate them usually. So we we feel like we're in our own group. Absolutely. So we can talk to, you know, our own, our own group of people. <laughs> I've always just felt like there's just this deeper sense of connection. And it's something that I've I've thought about a lot and I've never been able to really explain, but you can tell there's something about people when you start talking with them, you can tell if they're into art and yeah. <laughs> not just on a, on a surface level of, I like art. 
I right. think it's pretty. Not not just like that, but if they're really deeply influenced by it, and if there's some yeah. kind of emotional resonance and attachment to it, and not in a pretentious way, but in a right. Creative well, you just way. start talking about you know. Like, have you seen any movies? And somebody says, oh, I went and saw Star Wars. And the next thing you know, everybody's talking about, well, what do you think Kylo Ren's motivations were? And it's like, oh, man, you know, everybody just gets really passionate. And they start, like, dissecting the story. And you're like, okay, these are people who are really into story. <laughs> these are people who enjoy story or have seen a lot of story. They either work in story or, you know, so you start to get that sense of, like, oh, these are either movie people or storytellers or writers or animators or, you know, somebody who works with story on a close basis. Absolutely. And especially with animation, like you can tell right away if they're an animation person, if they really care about it, because yeah. they don't dismiss it. It's not yeah. just, oh, it's a, a cutesy thing for kids. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with animation. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. There's absolutely nothing wrong with animation for kids. I would oh, yeah. to work on an animated show for children, but they value it, though. It's not like yeah. a lesser form of film. Or a lesser yeah, no, form. They're of usually depressed that there's not more of yeah. it. <laughs> and they also want it to be for everyone. They want to yeah. have it for teenagers and adults, yeah. not just for children. And it pains them, especially in the US, that in other countries, you are seeing films geared towards adults. And adults yeah. go and watch it. And here, I mean, we have, you know, definitely like the Pixar movies are really good at that. Right. But but there's still sort of, you know, it's still sort of marketed as family friendly. Absolutely. Like, you know, and so there's still that idea that, oh, it's for kids or it's for families. Um, I know what you mean, though. Like, you know, you got it in other countries like in Europe or in Japan where it's like people go, they'll pay to just go see an animated movie for adults. Whereas here, if you make an animated for, movie for adults, everyone's confused. People are accidentally bringing their kids. Nobody likes it. You know, it's just yeah. kind of like, what? That was confusing. And I don't know what to think. Why were these characters cussing? It's an animated movie. <laughs> or, you, or you get com like complaints like I was listening to a. I was listening to the rotoscopers and they were asking, you know, is inside out for kids? Because there were parents oh, that yeah. were thinking this might be too intense for kids. And I remember watching that movie and thinking this movie, I think is more for adults who remember what it was like to be a child. Yeah. That's what I liked about the movie was yeah. watching it going. I know exactly how Riley feels because I was a 12 year old girl. Yeah. This is amazing. And honestly, I go back and watch an American tale and I'm like, this oh, is crazy man. intense. This it's is way too much for intense. kids. Like, how are people complaining about inside out? Have you seen the land before time? Oh, man. His mother dies in front of him. You know, it's like they push this is horrible. And then he gets bullied. I mean, you know? spoiler alert for a movie that's almost 30 years old, which yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not doing a spoiler mom. alert for the Land Before no, Time. No, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, I realized that it came out in 19, I think, 89. It's like, what is happening? Hmm. But oh, they, they pushed yeah. the T-Rex off a cliff. They yeah, drowned him with a boulder. And I'm just like, he's a scary monster. Amazing. He's not like, you know how they sometimes have to make, um when they make kids shows, they try to make the villain kind of safe. Yeah, no, this um, guy is like, yeah, but like this guy is open, like terrifying. You know, people's you know? parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember there was an episode of Word Girl, actually. Um, and this is a kid's show, so they had to be very careful about certain things. We weren't in the preschool age group, so I think we had a little more freedom because I think they they get crazy with stuff with like shows for preschoolers. But um, we would still have stuff like there was an episode where a villain was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put all these people in a vat of goop unless you give me something," and the goop was like just a big vat of goop, and I think he had thrown the mayor in. But the note from the network was something like, "You can't have their." 
be like a danger of drowning. We don't want kids to be horrified by the idea that somebody might drown in this goop. So they had to be able to stand up in the tank and the goop could only come up to like their shoulders or their neck or something. I mean, I think we, you know, the show has that kind of quirky sense of humor. So I think it pulled off as like, oh, this guy says he's a villain, but he's not really. And we have a lot of villains like that where they're kind of dumb and they don't really do villainous things that much. But it was still kind of funny. It was like, well, he's supposed to be drowning them in goop. We're throwing them in goop. What's the danger if all they're going to do is just stand in the goop? You know, They haven't <laughs> so seen was... Roger Rabbit where Christopher Lloyd yeah, murders oh a cartoon shoe. Oh, that's horrible. I can't even watch it to this day. I'm like, I need to skip this part. I can't handle that. The shoe being melted. Oh, and his little screams. Oh, I'm, just like, I remember oh, I'm an adult a, and I can't handle I remember that. I as a child watching that and actually being horrified, but also being amazed because I yeah. knew as a kid that that's not the kind of thing that they usually let yeah. cartoon characters do. And I remember yeah, watching exactly. it going, oh my gosh, he murdered a shoe Anything yeah. can happen in this movie now because exactly. they're, killing, they're killing happy little shoes. Yeah. Now that was a movie for adults. I, I think that was one of the more successful animated movies for adults. I think people still brought their kids to it. It was still seen as an animated movie. That's a good example of like, oh, it's got a cartoon rabbit. Let's take our kids to it. But honestly, I feel like if you look at the story and like the direction, like that's not a movie that would normally interest kids. Like, you know, it's a noir movie, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, the only interest a kid might have is, oh, it's animated, cool cartoons, you know. But I feel like that was one of the few movies where they successfully made like an adult animated movie and it was only half animated, so. <laughs> You're right though, because I remember I saw that movie when I was seven. My mom took me to see it yeah. and I loved it, but it wasn't until years later that I realized that the plot of that movie was that he wanted to build a freeway through Toontown. Yeah. That the whole yeah, that's a very adult concept. Yeah. That's very like adult problems, you know? hearing that as a kid, but it never really clicking. I'm like, oh, he wants to build a freeway? Yeah, I never picked <laughs> up on that until I saw it recently either. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I, that's right. But like as a kid, I just went, oh, this is a bad guy and he's killing cartoons, you mm -hmm. know, or this guy's worried for some reason. Like I never thought, oh, this is like this adult issue of like zoning problems. And, yeah. Know, yeah. Like, I, I mean, at its heart, it's like a city municipal court issue movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind and of how have, like, like Star Wars like, is about, you know, like the prequels were about weird trade agreements. You're like, yeah. oh, that's, that's <laughs> trade what this disputes. is. You're like, oh, a movie for kids. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. So that's, I, I appreciate Roger Rabbit so much. I'm surprised it ever got made, but I'm really glad it did. <laughs> I think they were kind of ready for anything at that point yeah because the studio yeah, you know it was it wasn't doing so well and then it was it was starting to do better and they had this idea and you know Zemeckis said hey let's just do it people were starting to push the boundaries of animation a little then too like that's when you got a, a big I think influx of movies that was trying to be geared towards adults I could be wrong but I think like Cool World came around during that yeah. same like decade cool right was like it was in, that came out around the same time as Wayne's World I want to say in the okay, early yeah. 90s. So there was like a few attempts to make adult animated movies and most of them were just terrible. And I think that's why they flopped partly, but also because like, it's just hard to market that. But then like Roger Rabbit was like a really nice, like, I don't know financially if it was a success, oh, but as well. far as like, it did, uh, oh, okay. Cause good, that's good. what kicked everything off. Cause it was Roger Rabbit and then Little Mermaid. And then after oh, that, then yeah. it was like, boom. And then you just had this upshot of Disney is back. Disney is returned. Yep. Disney is in its glory days. All yeah, the resurgence. Yeah, that's right. Which we're seeing now, which is fantastic. You know, it's like the it's like Disney's golden era part two, or I guess part yeah, three yeah. at this point. 
Yeah, no, they're, they've been doing an amazing job, them and Pixar and everybody. It's, it's bringing the, the bar up. So it's not just Disney making these amazing movies anymore. Like you've got, you know, like Sony and DreamWorks are starting to put their hand in too. And like, well, they've been putting their hand, they're not starting to, but you're getting all these amazing animated stories are coming out of like, not just Disney, you know, it's like all these other studios are starting to make them too. And that's the great thing. I feel like more so than in the general, I say general as in like the live action film space is that when an animated film does well, it actually elevates every other animated film. Because does, a lot of yeah. people, I think more and more people are starting to differentiate which studio is doing what, but a lot of people yeah. still don't know. They just assume often that everything's either Disney or Pixar, which isn't fair because yeah. every show you have all these different <laughs> oh, studios. Oh man, I, I still remember, I have to vent about this because I almost never get to talk about it, but um, I got so mad I almost called the radio station. But <laughs> I remember being in like in like high school and or maybe my early college or something. I forget when it came out, but you remember Space Jam? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Space Jam had just come out and I remember some announcer on the radio in my little podunk town in Georgia was like, Hey guys, Space Jam just came out. You know, it's got all these people in it, blah, blah. I was like, and it's got all the Disney characters oh, no. in it. And I was just so mad. I was like, oh, and I just wanted to call him and be like, excuse me, but it's actually Warner Brothers. It's, you know, <laughs> I was, I didn't get enough courage to call him. And I was like, ah, oh, nobody cares. <laughs> it's just like so angry. But, but you cared and you've carried it to I this cared. moment. I have. I've carried that. I want to tell him to this day. I don't even know his name, but I just want to like find out who worked there then and write him an email and be like, excuse me. Well, this is a cathartic experience then. You know, all that it's pain nice and suffering to, you've been holding since childhood. It's nice childhood. to let it out. <laughs> my frustrations. <laughs> yes, but you're right. But I mean, a lot of people don't know. So on the downside, there are all these studios that aren't getting recognition. On the upside, yeah. because they don't know, if every film does well, you know, if everyone's putting all their heart and soul into it, it just elevates the entire industry. Because the other unfortunate thing, too, is that people look at animated films as that is the genre, not, oh, this is an action film versus a right. film versus a film for preschoolers versus a film noir. They just figure, oh, it's all animation. We're just going to lump everything together. Yeah. And you're starting to get... um I mean, animation's always had tried different genres. Like I remember, I appreciate it more the, the more I think about it, but I didn't like it when I saw it. But uh, Rango was yeah. you know, a Western, you know, and it's like a, a animated movie, but it's more, it feels more like a Western than an animated movie. It's shot like yeah. a spaghetti Western. Like the cinematography yeah, exactly. and the tone is It's really super impressive. Western. Like it's great. Yeah, they did a, they did a really good job with that. Um, so it's not just an animated movie and that, you know, that, that one really to me stylistically stands out as like a genre movie and not just an animated movie. And that concludes part two of my interview with Margie Bordner. Thanks again to Margie for being such a wonderful guest and tune in next Tuesday for the conclusion of the interview with Margie. That's right. Part three. So you guys won't want to miss that. You want to hear all of Margie's parting thoughts. And as always, you can go to the show notes to check out all of Margie's websites. I'll have everything listed there. And if you enjoyed today's interview, please leave a five-star review in iTunes. All of those reviews help more people to find the show, and I appreciate all of your support. You can also support the show by going to www.theanimatedjourney.com and donating via PayPal. There's a PayPal link on the right-hand side. And also, you can support the show by clicking on the banner ads of our affiliates, Amazon.com, Audible.com, and Blueberry.com. 
Every time you click on those affiliate banners and make your regular purchases on any of those sites, or when you subscribe to an audiobook, or when you decide to do web hosting through Blueberry, a little bit of money comes back to the show and that helps keep everything up and running. Thank you to everyone who has donated so far, who has left a lovely five-star review, and who has supported our affiliates. It really helps me out, and I greatly appreciate it. You can check out The Animated Journey as well by following us on Twitter at AnimJourney and on Instagram at AnimJourney and again on the Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. And if you want to check out what I've been working on lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SketchySoul. On Instagram, it's at Sketchy underscore Soul. And on Tumblr, the site is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And I want to give a big thank you to Animation Station with Robbie and Tracy. For episode 22, they reviewed Fantastic Planet, and they said some really nice things about my website. So thank you guys for checking out my site. I really appreciate it. And thank you for reviewing Fantastic Planet. And if you guys haven't had an opportunity to watch that movie yet, check it out. It's a really good, really weird, very fascinating French 1970s animated film. It's very different. You guys will love it. So thanks again to Robbie and Tracy. You guys are the best. And I'll include a link on the Facebook and Twitter page so that you'll be able to check out their podcast where they review animated television shows and films. So that's it for episode nine. Thank you everyone for listening. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. 